When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Happy Thursday, everybody. January 4th, 2024. This is GC Live Afternoon Drive. We are back after having the week off last week. Good to talk with all of you. Obviously, there has been a lot that has gone on since the last time we did one of these GC Live shows. South Carolina has made a change to their coaching staff. We will get into that. The transfer portal, it is closed, but not really. We'll get into that and what exactly that all means. And we've also seen a pair of Gamecocks enter the portal since we last did one of these shows. We've also seen a Gamecock announce that they are staying in conference. So let's start with that today. A Pup Howard announces that he's going to be entering the transfer portal. That's two days ago. As we've explained to some people, and I think some of you understand this, but to some others, you might be a little confused because you see players from Alabama. You saw a running back today from Ole Miss. You see some players entering the transfer portal. The NCAA, the NCAA closed their winter window for the transfer portal on the 2nd. Once they got to 11.59 p.m. on Tuesday night. After that, can't enter it. Here's the catch. Number one, paperwork has to be submitted before that 11.59 time on January 2nd. Get the paperwork in. Over the next 24, 48 hours, you'll start to see some players appear in the transfer portal. In addition to that, if you are a graduate transfer, you can enter the portal at any given time. And on top of that, if you appeared... In a bowl game, five days after that bowl game. So Alabama, you've seen some of these teams, right? Old Miss, starting to see players appear in the portal. They have a five-day grace period. If you're playing in the national championship coming up on Monday, five more days after that. So I hope that explains a little bit as to what we're seeing. Because when people say, okay, the transfer portal is closed, but why are we starting to see new names emerge? That's one of the reasons why. Uh, in addition to that, you will have a second transfer portal window opening up in April. That will run, I think it is April 15th, April 16th this year to the 30th. Could be April 15th. Uh, don't quote me on the exact date, but you have 15 days though. So I bring these things up because if you're not in the portal right now, you can't enter it unless, like I said, you have one of those cases that I brought up, your grad transfer. Your paperwork has already been processed or it's being processed. You've already submitted it. You just got to wait for your name to appear in the portal or you appeared in a bowl game over the last couple of days. If you are in the portal, though, you don't have to declare where you're going. You can kind of do that whenever, as long as the school's good with it, with processing the paperwork and you enrolled early, which is what we saw with Pup Howard today because Pup Howard less than shoot. Less than 48 hours after entering the portal, not only does he announce that he's committing to Florida, but he has all the photos and got the gator chomp. You see it in his profile picture. So it goes back to a fear that a lot of people have brought up over these last couple months. And this isn't just limited to the Gamecocks that we're talking about here. We're talking about just college football as a whole. Yeah, of course tampering's going on. And as I've said many, many times before, many times before, it's not just about proving that tampering's going on. We know tampering's going on. But it's about having concrete evidence. How much do you want to push to be able to prove that? And these are what this is what schools have to decide. Because again, regardless of what evidence you have, if you're fortunate enough to find some concrete evidence, if schools are dumb enough, to have stuff in writing and you're going to able to prove and you have a, a timeline there, is the NCAA going to care? 
quite frankly, I don't think the NCAA cares at all. And I think they've proven that with their actions. Not even over the last couple of months, but really the last couple of years with their track record. So that's where we're at with that. Having said all of that, if there's anything in particular that you guys want to talk about today, fire away. And we will get into it. Big Red. What's the deal with us getting rid of our running back coach when we have a stacked room? The issue with the running back game, the running game is the O-line, not the backs. Clint Morrison says, because he didn't, uh, because he did absolutely nothing from a recruiting or a player development standpoint. I think it all depends who you talk to when you're talking about player development, right? You look at a guy like Mario Anderson. I bring up Mario Anderson's name. Some people are just going to roll their eyes now because Mario's not here anymore. But you bring up Mario Anderson, you bring up a guy like DJ Braswell, and they will tell you they felt like Montario did good things for them from a player development standpoint. But going back to Clint's, just looking at some of the things that Clint mentioned, not just player development, but recruiting, there were other issues there, right? You know, depending on who you talk to, some felt like Montario could have done a little bit more from a recruiting standpoint. And I'm not talking about the situation that they were in heading into last year. I mean, I think it's really easy just to look at one person, one coach, and say, all right, that's the that's the reason why. I mean, it was a collective effort as to why South Carolina's running back room appeared the way that it did. And I've said this many times before. I felt like South Carolina, they put all their eggs in one basket with one player in particular who ended up going from Notre Dame to LSU. And because they spent so much time on that player, by the time they got to their second option, he was already committed to somewhere. And then they were left with what they got. Now, Mario did a good job. It took him a little bit longer to come along to a point where they felt comfortable enough making him the top guy. But as we all know, from a depth standpoint, that running back room was very, very thin in terms of proven talent, which is why you saw on Joyner begin the year as the starting running back. DJ Braswell I mean, he's a kid that I can I can see having a phenomenal career at South Carolina. And obviously, that running back room is much deeper now in comparison to where it was towards the end of the season when he was getting in there and showing what he was capable of doing, not just from a running standpoint when he had the ball in his hands. Did some good things out of the backfield as a pass catcher. And he also did some good things from a blocking standpoint in pass pro. Having said all that, that running back room is a hell of a lot deeper. Hell of a lot deeper next year. And certainly when you look at Rocket Sanders, it starts with Rocket Sanders, but then you look at the other players they have in that running back room. And you start to realize, okay, some of these guys could be sticking around a little bit longer. Now, of course, and this goes into something we'll get into a deeper conversation about with the transfer portal, this new era with players being able to enter the portal at, at portal essentially at any given time. And what I mean by that, of course, you have windows, but when I'm saying any given time, you can enter the portal more than once now. And I think that is a bigger issue than anything else. We can sit here, we can talk about NIL. We can talk about NIL being an issue. I think the bigger issue, though, is you can enter the portal at any given time. Any given time. So when you combine that with NIL, and you combine that with some other things that we'll get into today, it makes it very difficult if you're a program like South Carolina where you're trying to sustain some type of level of success so that you can take that next step, right? There's going to be programs out there. You look at the Georgias, the Alabamas. You look at schools that have already been able to have success, and they're ahead of the game in a lot of ways, but they're ahead of the game because of all because of the changes that are going on. For a school like South Carolina now, you have to find a way to not only get to a level where you can build success like they were able to do and finish the season off like they did a year ago, but now you need to be able to find a way to get over that hurdle by recruiting your entire team year after year and making sure they don't go anywhere. South Carolina is not talented enough where they can afford to lose players at a level of which we're seeing. Now, I say that because... Certainly, it's happening throughout college football. It's happening throughout college football. Alabama just lost about, what, just about less than a dozen yesterday or the last two days. 
So it's happening throughout college football. But my point is when we specifically look at South Carolina because we cover the Gamecocks, you guys are Gamecock fans. The tough part is being able to get over that hurdle when you're a program like South Carolina. How do you get over that hurdle? How can you find ways where you are going to lose guys each year? I mean, it's part of the game. I mean, I think you'd have to be naive to believe you're not going to lose a starter or two each year. I mean, it's just part of it. There's not, there's not one thing that can just, you cast the spell on everything. It's like, all right, hey, NIL f- solves all the problems. It's not as simple as that. And that's what I talked a little bit about today on quick slants. And we'll get into that because I think, again, with the transfer portal, the way the rules are right now, it's making it really difficult, really difficult to be able to get over that hurdle when you're a program like South Carolina. I'm not saying it's impossible, but just makes it a little bit more challenging. But to Clint's point and to what Big Red was saying, if you've been under a bridge with Monterio Hardesty, yes, he has been dismissed. He will no longer be the running back coach at South Carolina. If you've been paying attention to Gamecock Central over the last, I'd say, not even 24 hours, I know my colleague Wes Mitchell has been putting names out there, but... Some things that we're going to keep an eye on as far as what South Carolina is trying to do from a running back room standpoint. Jimmy Smith is a coach's name uh, that you're going to be hearing. You're going to be hearing that name. And I think a lot of people started to hear that name even leading up to the news with Monterio, simply because he has ties to not only South Carolina, but he has ties. He has ties with with um, Dal Loggins, with their time of being able to work together in Arkansas. And obviously, as ninety percent of you already know, Dal was not the OC at Arkansas. He was the tight ends coach. However, running backs coach Arkansas with Jimmy Smith, and then of course Dal Loggins was over there. So they understand each other. That's the point. Travis says, could not possibly be blamed on two pathetic OCs. All right. Justin says, I see the beard hasn't hit the portal, unlike others. Yeah, the beard's still here. Not sure how much longer the beard will stick around. Got to trim it up. It's getting out of control at this point. John Edwards says, good afternoon, Mike. Good afternoon, John. Yep. JJ says, pup already committed to Florida. That is correct. God loves comics. Good to have you on here. I'm currently not on the portal. It's good to know. Ruin Nation, Coach Ford in full swing. And Will says he's sure committed fast. So I think that's the – there's going to be things that are going to bother people regardless of the transfer portal, right? I think the timing of how quickly this happened. Now, if you're a guy like Pop Howard, and we'll, let's go back because I think some people are in the know with it. I'll explain some other parts of it. But with Pup, it truly was a back-and-forth thing. If you go back to, I'd say, leading up to early National Signing Day, so what, two weeks ago? At that point, leading up to it, there was a lot of rumbles, and a lot of you who follow us on Gamecock Central or just follow Gamecock gossip, you started to hear things that Pup Howard could be leaving. Now, what made things interesting was around that same time, or shortly after early National Signing Day, that's when Stone Blanton entered the transfer portal. So at that point, from everything that I've been told, it looked like Pup was going to stick around. So again, that bag in the wind, right? Changing eight different directions. Things were changing. At that point, though, it felt like Pup was going to stay. What transpired, though, between... Stone leaving and Pup ultimately deciding to enter the portal. One of the linebackers at Florida, I wish I had his name. I don't follow the Gators inside and out, so I don't. But one of the linebackers at Florida entered the portal. 
And at that point, Pup likes his chances to go over there and be able to play right away. So I say that because, and it goes into a bigger problem I have with college sports right now. This is what I talked about a little bit today on Quick Slants. That's the weekly Thursday piece that I put out on Gamecock Central each week. If you're a subscriber, you know what I'm talking about. But my issue right now with college sports, and again, I know there's a lot of people that want to just look at NIL. And I'm not saying NIL isn't an issue because certainly it plays a role with what's going on here. But we can sit here and blame. This is what I wrote about today. We can sit here and blame all the problems on NIL. But it's not as simple as that. As I said last week on Quicksilence, in my opinion, it's NIL combined with just these stupid, loose transfer portal rules. And quite frankly, I'm starting to believe the transfer portal is the bigger issue here, especially now that the NCAA won't prevent multi-time transfers. You can, you can transfer as many times as you want now. Because what's happening is the portal, to some players, not all, the portal is being viewed as a video game. It's their way of being able to press the reset button when adversity presents itself. Right? Little kids getting upset that they're getting their, you know, their butt kicked in a video game. What do they do? They go up there and they shut off the system. Right? Hit the reset button. Whatever. In a lot of ways, that's what's going on right now. So what I'm talking about is not just limited to what's going on at South Carolina. This is talking about college football as a whole, really college sports. As of today, as of this show, as we do this show at 219 right now on Thursday, January 4th, 2024, 21 Gamecocks have entered the portal this offseason. Now, some of those players left for NIL reasons, right? Mario Anderson, Juice Wells, which ironically, Juice Wells making less money now at Ole Miss than what he was going to be making here. But that's what happens when you go out there and test the market. But I digress. You know, for others, they wanted a chance to be able to play. Right? You look at a guy like Colton Gothier. or you look at a guy like Tanner Bailey. Guys that looked at their situation saying, you know what? Probably not going to be playing here. Let's go test the waters. But then you also have players. Then you also have players who were either playing a little bit right away or they felt like they should have been playing more. They weren't playing enough in their eyes. And that's the biggest problem, I feel like, with when we talk about the transfer portal. That's something that scares me with this new era of college football. The, okay, things don't go my way. Let's get my ball and let's just go home mentality. That's something that worries me. Because from talking with coaches, and it's not just limited to South Carolina coaches. I'm talking about talking with coaches throughout college football. FBS, FCS, other SEC coaches, Big Ten, whatever. And I've had a lot of these conversations more so about this topic in particular over the last couple months since the season ended in the transfer portal when it first opened up. And of course, it's again, it's closed, but not really. You know, not every player wants to wait to be developed these days which makes things even trickier in this new era when players can hit the transfer portal at really any given time. I mentioned those conversations with those coaches. And a constant word that kept getting brought up was entitlement. You know, they believe there's a sense of entitlement that's continuing to grow. More and more players feel like they should be playing right away as true freshmen, or in some cases at the end of the year when they have their meetings with their positional coach coordinators. The coaches are just being honest with them. And some of these players can't handle the constructive criticism. So I bring those things up because when you look at Pop Howard's situation, was he missing being home? Of course he was. But then you also talk with people close to the program. And Pup wanted and felt like he should have been playing more. Now, I get from a fan base standpoint where it's easy to look at and be like, oh, yeah, Pup should be playing with this. You know, this this place should be playing more running back. You're not at practice every day. You're not at practice every day, okay? We're not at practice every day. We can, we're only, we can go only go based off of the people that we're talking with. The sentiment about Pup that was relayed to me, and I know it's been relayed to my colleagues as well, Pup wasn't where they felt like he should have been at a certain point of the season. 
And because of that, it limited Pup from being able to take that next step and being able to play a little bit more. Having said that, I mean, he was a true freshman last year, all right? I still think Pup's going to have a phenomenal career. I wish it was going to be in the Garnet and Black because I think he can be a very special player. I think he has the mentality of, of really a warrior in a, in a lot of in a lot of ways. However, he didn't want to wait. He didn't want to be developed. He wanted an opportunity to go out there and just play. And the crazy thing about it is when you think about college football, and certainly the landscape of it all has changed a lot, the days of not playing at all as a freshman, you think of a lot of greats who redshirted their freshman year who didn't play at all because of the way the rules were. Then you have this new era where a guy like Spencer Rattler or insert whoever you want, they redshirt their freshman year because they appear in four games or less. And I don't even want to get into the popsicle headache of talking about the COVID season because our guys could play a whole freaking season. That's not the point. The point is there's guys that have redshirted that have had tremendous careers in college and have also gone on and had some great success in the NFL. And Spencer Rattler is trying to be one of the next ones to be able to do that. I say that because not every player views it that way. And the crazy thing is, and I've had conversations with a lot of these players over the last couple of years, not just this recruiting class, some of the players, Dante Reno, uh, Mazio Bennett, I think we saw Dylan Stewart. I think those two in particular, Dylan Stewart and Reno, just appeared on campus within the last hour or so. But uh, Mazio, I think, was a little bit earlier in the week. You're starting to have players for this, for this past recruiting class. And I say past because obviously there's still another signing day coming up in a couple of weeks, about a month from today. So I bring those things up, though, because this recruiting class, going back to last recruiting class, and then just talking with other players that some go to other schools, a lot of these players have that mindset of, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be a starter day one. And I don't want to discourage anyone's dreams. I mean, shoot, I had that mentality freaking at the Division II level. So who the heck am I to tell people? not to have that mentality. But I bring that up because this is the SEC. This is the SEC. If you have, depending on what the position is, right? In most cases, because there's always going to be outliers, there's always going to be cases where you'll see true freshmen come on the, on the spot and they're ready to go from day one. But the majority of freshmen, they're not going to be ready to be starters. And that's okay. That's okay. Honestly, that's what's kind of expected, really, especially in the sport of football. It's not like we're talking about basketball here. We're not talking about baseball here. We're talking about football. The speed of the game, especially when the purpose of the game is to friggin' <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a collision sport. It's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. The whole purpose of the game is to collide bodies with one, one another, stopping another man from getting from point A to point B. So the game speed, the size of the players, it's much different, especially when we're talking about the SEC in comparison to talking about high school football. And I know there's a lot of talented high schools out there, but I think we can all agree, SEC football in comparison to high school football, you can't compare the two. But I just think there's, there's this mindset for a lot of these players where they come in and they don't want to hear that. They don't want They want to believe that they can go out there day one and play right away. And that's just not the case. And when they get some type of feedback or criticism as to why they're not out there, now the tricky part is, as a coach, you're a teacher. You're trying to educate your players. You're trying to explain, just like a teacher does in the, in the classroom, trying to improve their knowledge so that they can excel at what they want to be great at. Some of them just don't want to hear it. And when you give them the ability to enter the portal with no repercussions, it's a slippery, slippery slope. So I think when I look at what's going on right now with college football, and I look at what's took place at South Carolina and what's took place really throughout college football, it's not just an NIL thing. It's just, it's an easy, easy cop-out answer just to say, okay, yep, NIL. Oh, this guy's going there. Oh, has to be NIL. 
For Pup Howard, I can tell you this had nothing to do with NIL. Nothing to do with NIL. Nothing to do with NIL. There are cases, like I said, there are cases where players left because of NIL. What's the solution to it, though? How do you solve this? I don't know. I really don't know. And this is a question I've asked college coaches, and they don't know. Because in cases, right, you want to make sure that a player doesn't enter the pool. You don't want to have to recruit your whole team every friggin' year, year after year, which, again, that's just the reality of it. But at the same time, too, there's going to be guys on this team that you have to coach differently. And that's how football's been forever. Right? You can't coach and treat every single player on a roster the exact same way. I know some coaches might come out and say that publicly. That's not the case. That's not the case. You have to treat players differently. So how do you manage that when you have players who want to play right away, but they're not ready to play right away, where they feel like they should be playing more? And for whatever reason, they're not ready right away. That's okay, especially they're freaking true freshmen. Sometimes even if they're in their redshirt freshman year, whatever the case may be. How do you make sure you don't lose them? And I think that's one thing that fans are probably frustrated by because it's not as simple as saying, okay, this is the reason why. Up, oh, it's NIL. Up, oh, it's a coach. Up, oh, it's culture. Up, oh, it's... Players are leaving for multiple reasons, and this is not just the South Carolina thing. It's not. And certainly, if anyone's been paying attention to what's been going on at Florida over the last couple months, it's not like that situation over there is a hell of a lot better. But having an opportunity where he feels like he's going to play, it certainly played a role. Because when you look at South Carolina's linebacker situation, right? And I get it that from the standpoint of where South Carolina is after losing Soblin, I'm not sitting here saying they're in a better spot today than they were, say, I don't know, a month ago, right? Freshmen that are coming in, they got some talented linebackers that are coming in here. If you're able to get anything out of them right away, that's awesome. I never hold my breath when it comes to freshmen right away. Maybe a guy like Dylan Stewart with the way that he performed in yesterday's Under Armour All-American game. But for the majority of players, I don't hold my breath. I don't. And that's no disrespect to these freshmen, but I just think it's when, you, when you're banking on a freshman coming in, again, in football, not basketball, not baseball, when you're banking on a freshman to come in right away and make an impact, I, I think it's more than uh, it's, you know, let's, let's keep it in terms of football. It's a Hail Mary. You know, you're throwing up a prayer. And you're hoping that something could be there right away. I think there's going to be a lot of young players playing next year, simply because when you look at the depth at a lot of positions, and there's going to be a lot of unproven talent in a lot of positions, you're going to have to play a lot of younger players. If they're able to develop quickly, that's awesome. Phenomenal. And you were able to see some of the good things that happened this past season, despite a lot of the bad through the bad, a guy like, you know, Trevon Baugh having to play in the offensive line of the season that he was able to have. Big Tree, Aluatosin Bubalade, thrown into the mix because of injuries on the offensive line. These aren't things that you're hoping for by any means, but because of the circumstances that took place, it allowed those two in particular to get out there and they were able to do some good things. On top of that, because of the injury, Early on to Nick Eamon Worry, you were able to see what Jalen Kilgore was able to do. So I, I think with what South Carolina has coming in this season, there's no question there's going to be some freshmen that are going to have opportunities to earn playing time fairly quickly. There's guys already, again, you look at a guy like Dylan Stewart who has the size, he has the speed. He's a guy that I can see come in here day one and really compete to see some serious playing time as a freshman. But 
the other guys, I mean, I, you have to go position to position. I mean, there's a lot of question marks, obviously, about the wide receiver room. When you have Luke Doty and Nicholas Harbour as the two most productive returning wide receivers from that room, Harbour, 12 catches last year. Doty, 13 catches last year. Those are your top two returning wide receivers from a production standpoint from a year ago. That doesn't include, obviously, Jared Brown coming in from Coastal Carolina. I'm talking Gamecock receivers who were here a year ago who are back. And you go down the list after that, Russell. Tyshawn Russell, I think he's someone that can have a phenomenal season next year. I'm really excited to see what he's able to do. But after that, I mean, there's just so many question marks. So a lot of young players are going to have opportunities to play. But the ones that don't, or the ones that come in here and they're just not there yet right away, which is okay. You gotta you, you do everything you can to make sure I, you I'm still trying to think. I don't think there's just as there's not a simple thing to say other than you have to truly believe in the process when you come here. And that's again, this isn't limited to just South Carolina. This is happening throughout college football. This is happening throughout college football. I don't know what the solution is. We could sit here and say, just throw a bunch of money at them and they won't leave. I don't think it's as simple as that. I don't think it's as simple as that. Bruin Nation says, we need money and tampering. Love and joy has failed us. Marion 26 says, Pup was a huge recruiter for us and he loved Carolina. Now a Gator. Let's go down to some of the comments that are being said. So I want to get back. And I think, because I'm reading the comments that you guys are having, and we were waiting on a commitment. I want to make sure that the commitment has not gone public yet. I see the comments that you guys have, but we're going to wait. Bruin Nation, you've been hitting the bottle early. I wish. It's a dry it's dry January. I don't drink in January. I'm drinking my... Uh, we got here. My little seltzer. Big uh, polar guy. Big polar guy. Let's see. Jay Diz, good to have you back on. Jay Diz says, Stone and Pup are two strange transfers. Stone wasn't that good for two years and never left the field. Pup might not have any faith in White to coach linebackers. We have horrible form tackling. So, again, when we look at this case, I think, again, Pup was coming along probably just a little bit slower than the coaching staff would have liked. And certainly with the injuries that occurred at linebacker early on in the season, right, with Mokava going down against North Carolina week one, it forced some of those players like Stone Boyan to have to play a little bit more. Now, there's a lot of things that Stone did good, but I also felt like Stone had to play a hell of a lot more plays than he probably what he should have, simply because, number one, they lacked the proven depth behind him, number one. But number two, guys like Pup just weren't there yet. They just weren't there. Now, as the season went on, I mean, Bam played incredible. And that's a player that I'm really excited to watch next season to see what Bam's able to do. Debo, of course, Debo played so many freaking plays last season. I'm trying to pull up the roster so that you guys can see. We have our roster over at Gamecock Central that keeps you guys updated as to – you know, what's the what's the latest roster looking like? And obviously, now that we head into the new year, South Carolina will be hopefully posting that roster, the spring roster, sooner rather than later. But when we go back and I look at the linebackers from this past year, you know, again – being able to have Debo back for another season is going to be incredible. 
Bam, very excited to see what Bam's going to be able to do. The question now becomes, what are you going to be able to get, if at all, if at all, anything for Mo Kaba? Because if Mo's able to come back and he's able to be uh, Mo to whatever, I'm trying to just put a percent on it because I think percentages are the easiest way to kind of just reflect like what, what percent would you need from Mo to feel confident about the linebacker room based on those guys right there? Because I feel like what South Carolina is going to do with you, with, with what we've seen, with what we've seen from the transfer portal this off season, the number of defensive linemen that South Carolina has been able to add in the talent on the D line. There was a lot that was made up of South Carolina going to a three-man front. And I think the reason why was simply because it was just something different. And I think it excited some people. Teron Willis, yep. Another player to keep an eye on. So I bring the I bring this up because I think what South Carolina will do next season, I think you'll see them start to go back to that four two five look simply because they'll feel more confident with their defensive line, number one. But the confidence also is a combination of what I just mentioned. But number two, the fact that you're going to have fresher legs out there, the fact that you're going to have more bodies. Now, this is obviously thinking in a perfect world that these defensive linemen that they've been able to bring in, especially the defensive tackles, are going to be able to come in here and make a difference. They're going to be able to come in here and make a difference from day one. It's not going to be on-the-job training. They're going to be ready to go. And if they're able to do that, now, all right, now you have some fresher legs in the mix up front. And if you have fresher legs in the mix, you're going to be able to hopefully get more production up front where you're not going to have to drop back. And Jay Diz talks about the 3-3-5. Yeah, I don't think we have the bodies for it. Yeah. So... I, the four-two-five defense. The reason why you run a four-two-five defense is, I mean, this is happening throughout not just college football, but it started to trickle into the pros. Is just because of the way the game is going. I mean, we really started doing a four-two-five when I was in college, and I just remember some people looking at it like, "What the hell is this?" But it's part of it simply because of just the way the game is. I mean, you don't have the ability to just throw. You know, to do a 4-3, you don't have the ability just to do that. And I'm not even talking from a personnel standpoint. I'm talking schematically speaking, being able to try to slow down the opposition. You're not seeing that type of personnel used because of the way offenses are trying to attack defenses now. It's more spread out. You have tight ends who are really like hybrids. And... Because of their size and speed, it's pick your poison. You know, what are you going to do? You're going to put someone like a like a bigger linebacker out there to slow down a tight end, which in the past you might be unable to, but now oh, that tight end's a little bit faster. So again, it's pick your poison. It's pick your poison. Uh, but that's why I think we'll see we'll see some more, you know, four two five looks from South Carolina this year because that's what they want to ultimately do. That's what they feel comfortable running i think the biggest question mark outside of the fact of are you going to be able to have guys from that defensive line unit which i mentioned the newcomers who can number one make an impact right away but number two fresher legs all that kind of stuff but the other part of it is are you going to be able to find a nickel that you trust and i think we've mentioned this in other shows before when you take a step back especially not the season's done when you take a step back South Carolina's issue last year, they had a couple issues on defense, but one of their issues was they did not have a nickel that they trust. They didn't have someone that they could trust playing that nickel position. And I know it was frustrating from a fan base standpoint to see guys like Nicky and Worry out there playing nickel. I get that. Having said that, though, when you look at what South Carolina has done over the last two years okay, with guys that are here, Guys that are coming back next season from the last two years, right? Jalen Kilgore, who's an All-American as a freshman. DQ Smith, Nick Eamon Worry, two years before that, they were freshman All-Americans. 
Something doesn't work, though, with that. Those are three safeties right there, right? Going back to my whole point when we were talking about Pup Howard, if guys want to play right away, if they don't want to wait, they don't want to get developed, how do you keep everyone happy? Especially knowing that all it takes is one player to be like, you know what, I'm not going to wait. I'm out of here. I'm going to go start somewhere else. DQ Smith, Nick Gimanwari, and Jalen Kilgore. And the more I thought about this in the offseason, the more it made sense as to what they were trying to do. Number one, they were trying to find someone that they trust at nickel. But they were also trying to do everything they could because they were worried about losing someone. Because all it takes is one player being like, you know what? I'm not, I'm the I'm the odd man out. Screw it. I'm gone. I'm gone. And Jay Diz says, you know, he's worried about cornerback as well. Yeah, I mean, cornerback, I'm not sold, obviously, on the cornerback spots. But I think nickel worries me just a little bit more. I think what we'll see, I think we'll see Kilgore playing that nickel role. And I think Kilgore is going to do a good job with it. I think he's someone that's talented enough to be able to play at different levels. When I talk about different levels, I'm talking about being able to play a little bit down more in that nickel spot, right? Uh, someone that can come in and and play the run. Yeah, you know, he, he played he played nickel well last season. So I bring those things up because if they can figure out the nickel situation, which I think Kilgore can do a phenomenal job at, and the reason why I keep saying about the part where I'm a little bit worried it's just trying to figure out, okay, how confident are you? How confident are you with, with your two starters at the safety spot? Because I think right now we can look at it and be like, all right, it's DQ Smith, DQ Smith and Nick uh, Eamon Worry. Does it get to a point, though? And again, this is just off-season talk. Does it get to a point, though, where you feel more confident with putting Kilgore back there? It could happen. And, of course, I'm talking about Jalen, not his brother. So I think ultimately everything's going to come back to who do you feel the most confident with at the nickel spot more than anything. And I think, obviously, with what Kilgore was able to demonstrate towards the end of the season, I think they'll be, they'll be okay. What else we got here? Travis goes... Mike Jalewis Solomon is someone I think that can fill the nickel spot. I really like Jalewis's tape. I really like his tape, Travis. I think the question now becomes the question now becomes how quickly is he going to be able to pick things up? And I think it's a fair question to ask simply because, again, he's going to be a freshman. So when I look at a guy like Jalewis Solomon, and watching his tape and just how athletic he is and someone that not only dominated at defensive back in high school, but he also was very dominant at wide receiver too. He's someone that just has a knack of being able to find a way around the football and, and being able to make a play on it. So I look at what South Carolina was able to do. Let's go back to the 2022 season, and then go back to 2021. 2022, you were fortunate. You had a guy like Cam Smith who had the ability to play both inside and outside, right? He could play on the outside at the traditional cornerback spot, but he also had the ability to come inside and be able to play some nickel. Year before that, you had a guy like Carlins Patel that came in here, and Carlins had never played nickel before. Um, he was able to come in here and learn the position right away and he was able to make a difference. You know, Spalding, David Spalding was actually the starter at nickel that season. And then I believe, and I could be a game or two off, but Patel played the final six, seven games. He started the final six, seven games at nickel. And from talking to Carlins, and if you guys in the past have seen any of the shows that we've done, the other GC Live shows, we've had Carlins come on, and Carlins talked about it that it took him probably until maybe week three or four to really feel comfortable with what he was doing. 
but that was something new for him. So I think with what we've seen with South Carolina from a lot of these younger players this past season, right? You're talking about the offensive linemen, Aluatosin Babalade, Trevon Ba, a lot of these guys having to do some things where they're being thrown into the mix and they're having to learn on the fly. I mean, shoot, going up against Georgia for crying out loud, it's true freshman. Are you kidding me? But they're able to take some of those experiences from this past season. Now they have some more experience moving forward. Now, okay, let's look at it from a defensive back standpoint. Kilgore thrown into the mix, having to play nickel. Maybe not his first choice, first love, right? But at the same time, too, he's too talented not to put him on the field, especially with what he was able to demonstrate at the safety position when Nick was out. So I think being able to have those guys back here, especially a guy like you mentioned, Kilgore, having the experience of playing some nickel, it gives you another option and gives you this, hopefully this failing of some more trust too, right? Um, Leonard mentioned DQ Smith, you know, struggled in coverage this season. I was, I was disappointed with, with what we saw with DQ this season. As some people may recall heading into the year, DQ was a player that I had as, as a dark horse to be um, all SEC. And I know some of this stuff now, in, in hindsight, you can laugh at, and that's all right. So we do some of these bold predictions. But I really, really liked what, what we saw from DQ in his freshman season. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact of playing quarterback at the high school level at Spring Valley, understanding route concepts because he has the IQ of a quarterback, and now you're putting him on the defensive side. So I think with DQ, and we've seen this sometimes with sophomore players, especially ones that come out there and have phenomenal freshman seasons, they come out there in the sophomore year, they take either a step back or they're just not able to take that necessary leap forward, and it's a wake-up call to them. So I think with DQ Smith, at least my wishful thinking, is that he's going to be able to go back and figure out, okay, what was I doing right my freshman year? What wasn't I doing right my sophomore year? What was the difference? And hopefully he's able to take that next step forward because, again, I think he showed, especially going back to that freshman season, some of the things he was able to do in the Gator Bowl, he showed why he's capable of having a really nice career here at South Carolina. Just didn't work out. Now, having said all that, too, and it's not trying it's, – it's, it's not to – make excuses for him because certainly he has to do a better job. But as I've said many times before, whether it be DQ, whether it be the defensive backs, just in general, the lack of pressure up front, especially early on in the season, the lack of pressure up front, it's going to put any defensive backfield in a bind. You know, the examples I've used before, you could have JC Horn, you could have Stefan Gilmore, could put Captain Munnerlyn back there and DJ Swearinger at safety. I don't care who's in the secondary. If you can't put pressure on the quarterback at some point, especially with the way college football is, you're, they're going, they're going to give up catches. It's just going to happen. So, thinking ahead now, looking at some of the fresher legs that they're going to be able to bring in here. If they're able to get some of these guys in here and they can make an impact right away, and obviously the competition is going to be tough. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. The competition is going to be tough. SEC is only getting better with the additions of Texas and Oklahoma. When you look at the schedule for South Carolina next season, that is not going to be easy by any means. Having said all that, if you're able to put some pressure on the quarterback, it's going to be able to help these guys out in the backfield. On top of that, if you do feel as confident about putting a guy like Kilgore at nickel, which we saw towards the end of the season. He did some good things. If he's able to get better too, right? Build off of the success that he was able to have towards the end of the season, learning a new position. And he's able to do that. That really, really can help those guys out on the back end. So, I mean, it all goes hand in hand, right? I mean, it's easy to sit here and be like, all right, hey, this guy has to be able to cover that person that, doesn't always come down to that. Sometimes you also need to be able to, no, got four, Mike. And we'll see what Jay, Travis, what you got 
Got four gimmies, Mike. No excuses not to win seven regular season games in 2024. I haven't looked at it in the sense of wins, losses yet. And the only reason why, Travis, not to sound like a like a wise guy, but I don't even know what the, these rosters are going to look like across college football. So um, until we get through the spring, it's difficult. But having said that, though, I think, look, regardless of who you're playing next season, if you don't even have the schedule in front of you, the way I would tell you is after this past season, number one, you have to become bowl eligible. Like that's a that's a that's a given, right? You have to get to six wins. But if you're able to at least get to seven wins with what they have from a talent standpoint, and I know people always hate hearing next year, next year, next year. Well, I'll give you one that's gonna probably piss you off even more. Two years from now, this team, when you look at the talent that they've already had right from the freshman group, the Nick Carbers of the world, the Louitosins Bubalades, the Travon Boss, right? Those guys, as juniors, combined with the freshman class they have coming in, they could be really special. Having said all that, though, I mean, as we all know, it's about roster retention. And it's so much easier said than done. And some of it, as I mentioned before, it's not as simple as just saying, okay, give them a bag, give them whatever they want from a money standpoint. They're not going anywhere. Some of these guys have different motives. Some of these guys don't want to trust the process of being developed. They want to play more right away. And because of it, makes things a little bit more complicated. So that's one of the challenging parts to it all. Um, I've been seeing many of you bring this up in the comment section, but I was waiting for us over at Gamecock Central to give the thumbs up on it. This is one that we've been waiting on the last, I'd say, shoot, last day. Um, but of course, last night with Shane Beamer put the welcome home out there. FCS All-American transfer offensive lineman. Torricelli Simpkins has announced his commitment to South Carolina. So let me bring him up for those of you who aren't familiar with him. He was an All-American last season. Let's see. We can share this. So here you go. This is the big man coming in to South Carolina. Big, big offensive lineman. He has experience of playing not just center. He's played some guard. I think Clint actually. Clint, you're reading my mind. There you go. Um, I, I understand that there's been people out there that have wanted South Carolina to attack the transfer portal for offensive linemen this offseason. And from the conversations that I've had with people that are close to the program, what it comes down to is when you're looking at it, some of these offensive linemen – I mean, they're they're asking for like the good ones, the good ones that come on through, like the really, really good ones, like the big name guys. They want stupid, stupid amount of money. And even if South Carolina wanted to give them that amount of money, now you have to wonder, okay, we're putting all our resources into this one position. We could talk about, okay, you know, they need more money NIL. It's not as simple as that. Because, again, if it were, then a lot of these guys, I mean, you're seeing other schools, too, go after some of the FCS guys. I mean, I've mentioned this before. When you're looking at certain positions, being able to bring someone in that has proven themselves, especially at an All-American level, being able to bring someone in that has played, whether it be two, three years, opposed to a guy that just has rode the bench the last two, three years and was a four-star coming out of high school. 
at whatever the position may be. Okay, they're coming from an SEC school. That's great, but they haven't played at all. I'd rather have the guy that's at least proven himself. So uh, Simskin led, led the Eagles in pancakes last season. Started 12 games on the offensive line, an offensive line that allowed the fewest sacks in the league, according to North Carolina Central's official athletic website. And this is what my colleague, Chris Clark, wrote over on Gamecock Central. You can read more of it on GC. But a three-year starter, Simpkins owns 35 career starts, including 11 as a true freshman in 2021. He's a Charlotte native, so come back to the Carolinas. Coming back to the Carolinas. So there you go. Torricelli Simpkins, the third at that, is the latest welcome home for South Carolina. Eating pancakes. Pancake blocks. I love the high school coaches. I actually think... Corey Helms, former Gamecock offensive lineman, I think I think back in the day, I think I've seen photos of him do this. He'd bring out some of his offensive linemen for like a pancake breakfast. You know, my dad's high school teams back in the day, they'd take the offensive linemen out for pancake blocks. Rakeem, Rakeem says, Trevon Bach came in as center, then went to guard. Do you see a scenario of him moving back to center? I think what they'll do... I think what they'll do is they're going to rotate a couple guys in this spring at center and try to figure out what the best fit is. So I think to answer your question kind of like in a roundabout way, I think he's going to have a shot to be able to do that. I think the other thing, too, is you're just trying to figure out what's going to make sense as far as what works best for this offensive line. You know, last season you saw Vershawn Lee start the year off at center and then he ended up having to go out and play on the right side of the line. And certainly with the number of injuries that took place. And I know some people you know, wanted to beat up on Nick Argulo. But, I mean, the thing with Nick was Nick, Nick's versatility put South Carolina, allowed them to be able to f- fill some things and fix some things on the fly. So I say that because, you know, you do have some experience as far as guys who have played center whether it be at the high school level or even at the collegiate level. And I think what South Carolina is going to do is they're going to rep that out. They're going to rep it out. Um, If indeed it is Simpkins, though, what I like about him is he's a guy that has plenty of experience. Yes, it might not be at this level. I understand that. But he has plenty of experience of playing the position. And what that hopefully can do, especially when you have a guy that has that much experience, he can be able to figure out the strengths and weaknesses of guys around him. Guys who he might not have played against, played alongside with, excuse me, uh, as he makes the transition from one school to another. But he has that experience that can hopefully help him as far as seeing certain tendencies. If you know the guy next to him at the left guard position or the right guard position, they're not able to make some of their blocks in a, in a certain manner. He's being able to, you know, as Dal Loggins would say, be spaghetti sauce, as he would call Spencer Rattler, and he's able to cover things up and kind of make things look not as bad. What do we got here? Fred. Fred says NCAA is sitting back saying we gave them what they wanted, and now look at them. They're just sitting back laughing. Yep. Look, I I think the NCAA, they just they keep sitting on their hands. I'd just be happy if they would finally just do something. But I hear you, Fred. At some point, hopefully things are going to change, but that's wishful thinking. All right. Having said all that, let's hit some ads real quick. I got to head on over to 107.5. But today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax season is right around the corner. I can't believe it's already friggin' 2024. And before you know it, it's going to be tax season. So what do you do now? Well, you start getting everything in order. You're trying to figure out those numbers so you can hopefully get some money back from Uncle Sam instead of having to pay him this tax season. So give the guys over at Liberty Tax a call. They can get everything in order for you so that you can overcome taxiety this tax season. That number is 
5576. And today's show is also brought to you by our good friend Clint Hammond at the Movement Mortgage. And I'm trying to get Clint's tag at the top. Nope. Here we go. Trying to purchase a home this year, and a lot of people sometimes do. They say, new year, they want a new house. Well, Clinton and his team can help you out. Right now, those rates, they're starting to drop. If you've been in the process of looking for a home over the last year plus, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Those rates are starting to go down. Clinton and his team can help you out so that you can have that dream home of yours, the way that our very own Wes Mitchell did. Plus, former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth, when him and his wife Shannon purchased the house, they called Clint. That number is 803 seven seven one six nine three three what else we got here there's a couple things from earlier that i know i didn't have a chance to get to let's see So WJM41 says, need a team full of Doties and joiners. I can't remember where I saw this yesterday on social media. Because I'd like to credit the individual. But it was along the lines of the Doties of the world, the joiners of the world. They're part of a dying breed. And I think one thing that worries me more than anything from talking to people, whether it be coaches, whether it be collectives, the educational side of it. And I'm not talking about classroom education. I'm talking about the educational side of the NIL the transfer portal, how a lot of this stuff works. But on top of that, the impact it's having on student athletes well beyond their years of playing collegiate sports. If you remember the old commercial and I, be, I keep thinking about this NCAA commercial. It's from like maybe 10, 15 years ago. And I know it sounds really corny, but they were saying something along the lines of, you know, there is X amount of uh, collegiate athletes and X amount of sports. And nearly all of us will be going pro in something other than, than sports. Well, I keep thinking about that simply because, simply because, we're getting to a point now where a lot of these guys are just hopping around. All right. And you guys are smart enough to do the math out. There's only X amount of players in the NFL. I mean, this isn't minor league baseball where there's even more spots. I mean, there's less and less we can throw away, you know, throw out XFL, UFL, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the only league that's going to be sustainable is being able to play in the NFL. So I, I bring that up because I think, unfortunately, for a lot of these players, they don't understand that from hopping from one school to another, you know, for some of these guys, yeah, they're going to have opportunities to go play in the NFL, and that's great. That is awesome. It's awesome. All right, look at Spencer Rattler. It's awesome. And as I've said many times before, I'm not against the transfer portal. What I'm against is the idea of being able to enter the portal every freaking year if you want i mean i think that's just dumb i think it just sends the wrong message as i mentioned right off the top one thing that i wrote today on gamecock central you're living in the playstation era if you will where people will just hit the reset button you know if they don't things don't go the way that they want hit the reset button so i hope i hope to god that at some point the transfer portal can be fixed because i think that is the biggest issue NIL, it's an issue, but it's not the biggest. It's not the biggest. If you had NIL and you eliminated some of the stuff with the transfer portal, right? And I'm not saying that this is the solution, even though some of it I don't think is too far off, where you go back to the way that it was, where you had to sit out a year if you wanted to transfer. I think you would notice less and less players entering the portal. I mean, you look at it today over on Gamecock Central on the On3 network, there's been over 2,000, 2,000 players on the FBS level have entered the portal this offseason. 2,000. You know, I'm looking at it right now, and 
when you look back to the previous year with the number of players that have entered, I mean, this is a number I feel like we're going to be able to see surpass. And then you look at the big picture, which is all divisions. I mean, it's it's well over 3,000 at this point. So I bring these things up because it's um, it's it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for a lot of these programs. It's not sustainable as far as being able to build success if you're an individual from a player standpoint. Um, because for every Spencer Rattler story there is out there, there's going to be another four kids that go from one school to another. And if you don't believe me, Head on over to Gamecock Central. We did the write-up. We had the ins and outs, the guys that came in, the guys that went out. We did stories on that, on how players who left South Carolina did this past season, if the grass indeed was greener, if it wasn't. And uh, spoiler, it wasn't for the majority of them. And you can even go back to the 2022 story that we did on a lot of those players. And spoiler again, the grass was not necessarily greener for a lot of those players. If you enjoyed any of our show today, we appreciate it. Head on over to the YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety over on Gamecock Central. Hit the subscribe button for free. So anytime one of these GC Live shows pops up or any of our Gamecock Central videos drop, you'll be able to get notified right to your phone. Or if you're listening on up, we appreciate that as well. If you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central Podcast Network where you can listen to this show in its entirety. Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. We will be back on Tuesday with GC Live talking Tuesdays. That show is going to be at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock. We're going to see how the afternoon shows go on Tuesdays since we are getting ready for baseball season. It's crazy to think baseball is just a month away. And uh, Gamecock basketball, men and women, conference play. They're getting ready to go. We want to make sure you guys can enjoy those games so we can keep these shows in the afternoon. But appreciate everyone that tuned in today. We will keep you posted as far as the transfer portal, which continues to roll on, if there's any more additions. Plus, like I mentioned, South Carolina early enrollees. There's already been a handful that have rolled into Columbia, South Carolina today, and even going back to earlier in the week. We will keep you posted on that front as well. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, and enjoy the rest of your weekend, folks.